Christmas Eve. And as it seems to be true every year, it is upon many of us a lot faster than we think it should have been. It just seems like we started in the the Advent wreath is always the reminder of how quickly the weeks have passed. And, and we, we come to this place, we come tonight. You know, it's, it's interesting, it's hard to read a crowd on a Christmas Eve because you all clean up so well. <laughs> we do, we come into worship, we're smiling and, and you know, we, our, our energy's up, we're excited. But it'd be much more fun to try to watch you through the week and see you know, how, how much that is, that's true. It, it's fun, interesting, fascinating to watch people, especially a week like this week leading up to, to Christmas. They're in, in a different connection, in, in, a, in a kind of an, a metaphor for this, I don't know how many of you have ever been at the finish line of a distance race, a, a marathon, a half marathon, a, a, a triathlon, as I've been with my brothers a number of times. Watching people finish is, is fascinating. It's fun. I mean, everybody's excited and happy to be there. But I categorize two broad... There's two ways people finish endurance races. There are those who finish and they look fresh. They're smiling. They're coming in strong. It looks like they could keep running. You know, those kind of people. And then there are those who look like they're dying. You know? The legs are wobbling, the face is showing the pain. They're just glad to be done, and they don't have no care if they have to crawl to the finish line. They're going to get across. I think that's the way we approach Christmas. Go to the mall. Go to the, you'll see the same faces. You'll see the same faces. There are those who are, you know, excited and, and happy to be there. I don't know why, but are happy to be there. And then there are those who look like they're just trying to survive. You know, they're just trying to get, figure out what they have to get and, and, and finish and be done and get the stress and the busyness and the chaos off their shoulders. Because Christmas, though it is a time that we celebrate peace and joy and hope and love, it is a time that sometimes robs us. We allow to rob us of peace and hope and joy and love because there's so much to do. And that piles on us. There, there's a story of a parents that, that did some last-minute Christmas shopping, went to do some last-minute Christmas shopping, and they took their three children with them. Why? I don't know, but they did. And, um, and they had one of their three, one, one, their daughter, who was this ball of energy, nonstop motion, going, asking, questioning, doing, just wouldn't sit still. There's, there's a lot of these. Some of you have one of these kind of kids, you know, that's just that ball... Of energy, and, and it was just fraying on her parents' nerves. And their nerves were frayed anyway, and they started picking at each other, and they started sniping at each other, and they started arguing with each other. And the kids, the three kids, picked up on that energy, and they started on each other, and they started declaring their, their um, intentions to inflict death and destruction upon one another. You know, eternal hatred kind of stuff that kids and, and brothers and sisters will do. And finally, the family gets home and the parents have had enough. They're past their breaking point and they just send the kids to bed. Go to your room. Good night. So the kids retreat to their rooms. A few minutes later, the little girl comes out of the bedroom. She comes to her mom and dad. Mom, dad, are we going to say our prayers? 
yes, we're going to say our prayers. So mom and dad dutifully go in and they gather around and they do their, their nighttime prayers. And, and like they do every night, they start to recite the Lord's Prayer. And when they get to the part about forgive us our trespasses, this is what they hear their daughter say. And Lord, forgive us our Christmases as we forgive those who Christmas against us. <laughs> now, that's funny because we get it, right? I mean, we know that, that this isn't always that time of joy and peace and happiness. It's, it's crowds and, and sometimes snarls and, and short tempers and fuses and those kind of things begin to encroach on the season. We have to guard against that. We, we're challenging that and all that busyness to not allow that to begin to happen as we still have that burden of trying to get done all the stuff that we feel that we need to get done. And I became aware, acutely aware this week, in, in a way that, that I haven't been in years past. I don't think this is new, but I just became aware of it. But of the dominant question that I think most of us ask each other in this season of the year. And that is this. Are you ready? I was at Publix checking out and the, making conversation with the, the cashier. And she looked at me and you Merry Christmas and... And she said, are you ready? I'm at Chili's having lunch last week and talking to the waitress. And she, are you ready? Having conversations with many of you, that's been a question. Are you ready? And I've asked it a number of times. Are you ready? And so I asked that tonight. Are you ready? But, but here's why I ask it. It's really not because I'm terribly intrigued by your answer, yes or no. Not that that doesn't matter, but, but that's not what I started to reflect on. As I'd answered this question numerous times, had these conversations, I started to ask myself this. What does ready mean? What, what, does, what does ready mean? You know, when we're kids and we're talking about Christmas, we know what ready means. Ready means this. Have I been naughty or nice? Where am I on the spectrum, right? Because that's, that's the threat. That's the threat. I was, I was talking with a young mother yesterday, and she had one of her, her daughters in her arms, and the other daughter was there, and we were talking about Christmas, and in the conversation she looked at me, and she looked at her lovely daughters, whom I know she loved with all her heart, and she said, they have one day to redeem themselves. <laughs> And they knew. They were standing right there. They had the sheepish look on their face. They knew what that meant. And as kids, ready means that we've been nice, that we've been good, that, that Santa's going to come. There's, there's another story of a grandmother who was out with her grandchildren, her four-year-old grandson or, and her three-year-old granddaughter, Jason and Sarah. And they had been at the store, and they're coming out to the car. And as they're getting ready to get in the car, Jason looked at his grandma. He said, Nanny... He said, um, Sarah has something in her pocket. And he reached in his sister's pocket and he pulled out a brand new red beret that had not been paid for. And the grandmother knew that little Sarah had taken it, as kids are sometimes going to do. And she knew that she needed to take her back in to apologize to the manager to return it to teach the lesson. But she was tired. She didn't really want to, but she did. 
She did, and she took her granddaughter back in, and they made things right, so they got in the car, and, and then they went, and they had one more stop at the grocery store. And as they're checking out at the grocery store, the, the cashier looked at the kids, as, as we said we'll do, and said, uh, you know, to the to children, are you ready for Santa? Have you been good? And Jason looked at her, and he puffed up his chest, and he said, I've been good, but my sister just robbed a store. <laughs> That's not what you want the night before Christmas. Are you ready? Yes or no? Naughty or nice? It's, it's not that black and white. I saw a t-shirt. You all may have seen it. Uh, I'd love to get my hands on it. It says, Dear Santa, I've been good this year. Most of the time. Some of the time. Oh, forget it. I'll buy my own stuff. You know? That, that's, that's, that's readiness when you're three, four, five, six, seven. But that... That meaning changes as we get older. And when we're talking that, I, I, I'll just speak for me that when you say, are you ready? This is where my mind goes. Have I got the Christmas gifts? Have I, you know, if, or maybe for you, have you sent the Christmas cards? Is the wrapping done? Are the preparations for the meal or the family celebration? It's the stuff that goes around. Now, if you ask me that, I also think about tonight. John and I might be in the same boat. We say, are you ready? We're thinking, do we have the logistics taken care of? Is, is everything ready? Have we communicated what we need to communicate? Are all the, the bases covered, if you will? This is all the, the readiness of preparing for Christmas. And this is the question that, as I reflected upon, began to convict me. Because I realized in my thinking, my idea of readiness gravitated toward all the secondary parts of what Christmas is meant to be. It, it, it gravitated toward the secular or cultural celebration of Christmas. And I don't say that as condemnation, but we've got to recognize that there's a contrast in this holy day between the way the world celebrates and what we're called to celebrate. There's, there's a boxer in Britain by the name of Amir Khan, and he is Muslim. A couple weeks ago, he put a Christmas tree up for his little girl. And he took a picture of it. He's a young man, a young father. He took a picture of it and he put it on, you know, Instagram or Snapchat or some social media. And immediately the condemnation started coming in through social media. Uh, more fundamental Muslims um, threatening him, even so much as death threats. Because he put up a Christmas tree because it's a Christian celebration. It's a Christmas, it's a Christian holiday. And he started getting just ridiculous threats. And there's no excuse for that ever, period, end of story. But what, what I found so interesting was some of the, the people that then started to defend him. Again, I'm thankful for that and, and rightfully so. But it was some of the ways that they defended him. And some of the defense of what he was doing was this. They said that Christmas isn't a religious holiday. It's a cultural holiday. In their world, it's a British holiday, but not an inherently religious holiday. And in many places, that's true. And this is what concerns me. I do not throw stones at those outside the Christian faith for celebrating Christmas. I don't. But what concerns me is those of us in the church, those of us who have faith in Christ, have we bought in to the cultural holiday and forgotten the truth of the holy day. 
And that's where I started to become convicted. When I was asked that question, are you ready? You know what I didn't ask myself? Have I spent the season of Advent, of preparation, have I spent it adequately in prayer? Have I spent time in the, enough time in the scriptures reading the story and, and allowing God to encounter me in the story? Have I done the things day in and day out to prepare my heart, to prepare my spirit to receive and to be open to the presence of God, which is the gift of Christ? That's the ready that I wondered why that my mind didn't go there, why I didn't think of that. Because I become, like so many of us, entrapped in all the other things, the good things, the fun things about Christmas. But I'd lost the heart of Christmas. The question I ask tonight is, are you ready? Are you ready? The story of Christ's birth is not just about the story of those who were there. It's not just about the shepherds that came to see the child. It's not just the wise men, the foreigners that came to see the child. It's not just Mary and Joseph. If you read in between the lines of Matthew, if you read in between the lines of Luke, you also realize this is a story about those who missed it. About those who missed it. Isaiah had prophesied hundreds of years before the birth of Christ that a Messiah was coming. The people were waiting for it. They were anxious. They anticipated that their Messiah would come, but they weren't ready. The religious leaders, the teachers, the prophets, the faithful synagogue attenders, they're absent from the story. It's interesting that we, we, we tell it, and Jesus is center, and Jesus is this character you can't miss. When we do our nativities, and we tell our story, you can't miss Jesus, except everybody missed Jesus. They missed him. Because this isn't the way God does it. 14-year-old unmarried virgin, poor carpenter, Nazareth, backwoods little Nazareth. And not only that, they come all the way and they're right there at the, foot, at the doorstep of Jerusalem and they don't even have the kid in Jerusalem, the holy city. It's Bethlehem, a much smaller town. And then they got to flee for their lives and shepherds and wise men. I mean, the story at its surface is ridiculous. There's no way God's going to do it that way. That's not the way royalty is born. Think about it. About, what, five or six years ago, the whole world watched and waited for the birth of Prince George, William and Kate's kid, or Princess Charlotte a few years later. Fanfare and, and attention and celebration. That's the way royalty's born. That's the birth of a king or a king-to-be. Except I think Queen Elizabeth's going to live to be 200. But, <laughs> but that's what we expect, right? A couple years ago, and many times over the years, she's, Queen Elizabeth has made trips to America. And reporters will detail what it takes for a queen to travel overseas. The clothes, two outfits for every day, contingency outfits in case there's an event she's not planned for, hairdressers and personal attendants and, and um, special toilet seats and bodyguards, private travel, the best of accommodations. 
A week trip for the Queen of England to America can run over $20 million. That's how royalty travels, right? That's what we expect. This, this is a pauper's birth. This is messy. And we make it clean. We sanitize the story. We love the pictures, but it wasn't. It's messy. It's grimy. It's dirty. It's easy to ignore. And yet the power of the story is Jesus steps right into that place. And that is so good for us. You know why? Because your lives and my life is messy and dirty and grimy. Sometimes it's great joy and sometimes it's tremendous heartbreak. Sometimes it's wonderful celebration and sometimes it's deep sorrow. And God steps into that. The question is, will we miss it? Because we're not ready. And you know what that means? It's interesting. I think Philip Yancey said something along this lines, that the reason God announced the birth to shepherds, lowly shepherds who had no social status, no importance, no significance culturally, the reason that he showed up to shepherds is because shepherds were the only group of people that weren't going to tell God, you can't do it this way. (laughs) Right? You can't do it this way. And so to shepherds and to wise men, they come into the story. And the story of Christ, the story of his birth, the story of being ready is not defining for God how God can act, but recognizing God's history, God's story in our story over and over again. It's God showing up in unexpected places in unimaginable ways. That's what Christmas is. And over and over, that's what God does. I think there's so many people in this world who don't believe in God. Maybe you're one of them who don't believe in God because you've determined that if God was real, this is how he's going to act. This is how he's going to announce himself. This is what God's going to do. And when God doesn't operate in the box that we create, we miss him. And that's not just unbelievers. We do that in the church. We do that as followers of Jesus. We create expectations for God. This is how you'll show up. This is where you'll be. This is where I'm going to experience you. And when God doesn't act according to our preconceived ideas... We miss him. The story of Jesus is a story that blows anybody's preconceived ideas. Nobody would have made it up this way. Because it makes no sense. But that's how God acts. And that's where God shows up. In the course of my life, I have encountered God in the places so often I would least have expected him. Some of you who remember and and worship with us regularly remember me sharing about my trip last May to Kenya. And visiting the slums in some of the most poverty-stricken, desolate, discouraging place, dirty places I've ever been in my entire life. You can drive into Kenya on the interstate, and you can drive over these slums and see them. And I promise you, most of you would not look to these places and think, that's where I'm going to find God. But I'll tell you what, that's where I found God. Or let me back that up. That's where God found me. That's where God found me. In the grace and the the generosity and the compassion and the love of the people who didn't have a penny to their name but knew God's love and grace. And I experienced God in that place in a way that I've never experienced God anywhere else. But I would have never predicted that's where he'd be. But that's his story. He does that over and over. Are you ready? Am I ready to allow God to encounter us in powerful, life-changing ways, in the messiness of our lives, in the places that we wouldn't expect? 
Are we ready to celebrate the gift of Christmas? Which isn't the presents we buy or the meals we make or the family gatherings. Those are all wonderful. But it's God saying, I'm stepping into your story because I love you, because I care about you, because I've come to heal your brokenness. Are you ready to receive that? Are you open to that? That is the gift of Christmas. I hope your presents are wrapped. I really hope, really hope they're wrapped. Um, I hope the preparations are made, and I hope tomorrow is a wonderful celebration. But I hope at the heart of all of this is an openness in our spirits to receive Jesus, to let him into the places of our lives that most need his grace and healing, and to experience that gift that will outlive anything that we get tomorrow. And our festivities and our gatherings, they will come and go. But Christ is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. I pray that is the gift you receive at Christmas. Because if it is, it will change your life. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, thank you for the heart of Christmas, which is Christ. Speak to us in these moments. Bless our spirits and make us open to your presence. We pray in Christ. Amen. Amen.